0: Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round three recap for this week's Northern Trust. And joining me to break it all down, it's Mark Emmelman. Mark, good to have you.
1: It's good to be back, Rick. I was laid low there for a little while, but uh, managed to move myself today. Got up, watched a little golf, and it was sort of fun to get back into the swing of things. So good to be with you.
0: Well, we are going to throw you right in the fire here because we've got a doozy on our hands here at Liberty National. Two tied at the top at 16 under. Let's start with the pre-tournament favorite. That's John Rahm, who shot a 67 on Saturday, Mark, and he went 48 holes in this event before making a bogey. And he didn't make a bogey at 13. He made a double hitting it into the water on his, on his approach shot on the par five makes a little bit of a mess after that uh, makes two more birdies coming in bogey 16, a little sloppy, a little, little leak in oil on the way in, but still going to be atop the leaderboard after three rounds. Well, you know what
1: I must start with just saying, it's a good thing that the Northern trust open will not turn into a match play tournament as some guys prognosticated here a few days ago. Yeah, but, but look, this is tournament golf. Um, This is the kind of stuff that happens and this golf course, in as much as what, you know, it's visually intimidating. And there's kind of that fright factor when you stand on the tee because you see these moguls and the mounds and the narrow fairways. And, and a lot of the bunkers around here are essentially penalty shots because you can't get to the green, the fairway bunkers, that is. And so you can't get to the green. And so you've got to drive the ball well. And then these greens can get lightning. And when they firm up, they really are fast because there's so many mounds there. But the frat factor has been taken out of the course a little bit, so it's sort of open season. But the thing is, you've still got to hit quality shots. And if you're playing well, you can get after it some. And if you just get on the wrong side of some of these slopes and you hit one or two funky ones, there's water that comes into play in a number of holes. And as I mentioned, those bunkers, they'll catch up with you too. So it's sort of what tournament golf is. But kudos to Ram. Without his best stuff today, I thought, you know, he was able to cobble together something. He came out, started well, and yep. you could see then that things tightened up coming in, and then there was just enough breeze there coming down the back nine, I thought, to make some club selection difficult. And so I, I guess my takeaway is there's no givens ever, no matter how well you're playing, and I was impressed that he's moxie, and just the way he he sort of showed a, a lot of patience and wherewithal to to get in what could have been a bad day because, you know, when you rinse one on, the short drivable four when yes. you, you know, he made a great up and down on 14. That could have been disastrous over there. That rough is thick, and a two ball, well, one ball in the water, one hard left in the par five right before things could have turned wrong. And he, and he managed to keep the hands on the steering wheel and the car in the middle of the road somewhat.
0: It's funny. I I think I, I get where you're going here and I I agree with it. The, the idea that he, made a double on 13, the easiest hole on the course a par 5, and mm. a, a bogey on 16, the drivable par 4 that everyone was taking advantage of. That's scary mark for the rest of the field because I don't think John Rahm's going to make many doubles on par 5s or make bogey from green side of drivable par 4s. That's scary.
1: No, he isn't, and it is scary for the rest of the field, but what he's shown is he's not completely bulletproof. Um, but he's also then proved like at the U S open earlier this year on a golf course that was infinitely more difficult that he can weather the proverbial storm, which is what all the great golfers do. And they can sort of have that patch of golf that everyone will have in a four round tournament where they just keep things alive. And you're right. You know, if he can make those mistakes and still be, you know, in contention on the top of the leaderboard, it is a scary proposition. But the truth of it is, some of those shots he hit coming in, they'll creep into his psyche a little bit. And I'm keen to see just how he rebounds from that sort of a thing. I'm expecting, because of what he's done at the U.S. Open and just the confidence he's playing with, he'll be fine. But he certainly isn't as bulletproof mentally as what he was the first couple of rounds. That's for certain.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So he tied atop top the leaderboard with Cam Smith, who had the round of the day, his best round on the PGA tour and almost a very magical one, Mark, because he shot a 60 that included 11 birdies and he had a look at it. He had a let's see. 11 foot 10 inch putt on 18 for the magical 59 he moves up 24 spots and now he is atop the leaderboard.
1: well i think it's sort of poetic in a way and there's a couple things you know this event the last time we played it, uh, scotty scheffler shot 59 up at the tpc boston
0: that was one year ago today so yeah we almost we almost did it
1: <laughs> yeah, so it would have been cool if you did You know, next thing, I have a a colleague who's very, very wise that picked said Cam Smith in one and done. And I think that was just pulling stuff out of your rear end, but we'll leave that for a different conversation. Um, He's a heck of a player and he can flat out roll the thing and he's sneaky long off the tee and he's a really good iron player. It's a really sort of a heavy ball that cuts through wind. You can see he grew up playing in Australia and he's just a boy. You know, he's a guy's guy if you catch up with him no matter where it is on the golf course i mean he walks over to me and he's like all right so what's what's the latest joke you know he's one of those sorts of guys who just takes golf completely in his stride and i think if there was anyone who was going to do this it would be cam smith because he's just gloriously unaware of everything that's going on around him all of the time i mean in memphis a few weeks ago i was out there on the course with him when he took 20 uh, 18 putts in 18 holes. Yes. And I said to him afterwards, I'm like, Hey, were you aware of how many putts you had? And he goes, no, he goes, but if you had told me that I was, I could have broken the record, I would have missed 18 green on purpose. So I could hit 17. <laughs> so that shows that he just, he just sort of plays the game as it is. And, and it was really cool to see a hell of a young player put together a spectacular day today. And and in New York, I mean, what a place to do it because even though he's in foreigner, you know, the New Yorkers would have got in behind him for that play.
0: I want to mine into a couple of things here because I think there's a a couple of interesting notes. Let me pull uh KP tweeted out this strokes gain thing, Mark. So just to kind of illustrate this cam Smith lost a stroke and a half putting over his last 13 holes in route to that 60, which really just means Absolutely dialed in with irons and wedges, and we saw that all Saturday long. He was just I mean, he was just tapping them in for birdie. It was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, but I want to build that further. Every single one of those wedges he hit tight, he was playing out of the fairway. Mm-hmm. And you cannot do that sort of stuff even on a receptive golf course if you're playing from spots other than the fairway. And it looked pretty comfortable to me because never once did I see him have an in-between yardage. Now, all of these guys. pardon me all of these guys if you can give them a comfortable club and they are playing well they're in contention they're going to hit something there inside of the you know 25 foot range and give themselves a good look then building that further if they're playing well they have a comfortable number they can hit the ball to a place where they can putt uphill or putt from right to left or whatever the case might be too so yeah, it's good ball striking, but to me, he was playing from the fairway. And to me, he never looked like he had to finagle a club to sort of fit the thing into a yardage. So it was one of those days where, you know, when he and Sam pinfold his caddy sit back and I'm sure they might have had a beer already, maybe yeah. more because they got tomorrow off. You know, they'll be like, yeah, it was one of those days, you know, you don't have those very often. So, yes, it'll show that he did the lost strokes with a putter but you know everything was going his way and and he did and, and the truth is he made every putt that he was over in order to shoot 60
0: Correct. (laughs) Eric Royen goes out and shoots a 62, which I think Mark is fascinating because if he would have finished his round 30 minutes earlier in front of Cam Smith, he (laughs) would have tied the course record and then Cam Smith would have broken it immediately. But this is that 62 score that we saw uh, Jordan Spieth, DeAndre Shoffley shoot on Friday. We saw Corey Connors do it early on Saturday. EVR got his own and, and forgive me for, for, for making this comment here, Mark, but would, would, would Eric be, the spoiler to this leaderboard with Cam Smith, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Tony now at the top. He could steal this away over the final round.
1: Oh, well, without a doubt, he'd be the spoiler. But, you know, here's another guy. This is the PGA Tour. He won just a few weeks ago. You don't stumble your way onto the tour. So if you're playing out there, you're one of the best. And he's coming off high confidence. I exchanged texts with him after the win at the Barracuda. And he... It was, he said to me, he goes, This is why we play and practice, right? And then he said, Look, this is a dream come true. So as far as Eric Fenroan is is right now, every one of them are always building steps and looking forward and, and advancing. But he's playing with house money right now. Hmm. The, the the guy is guaranteed a deep run in the playoffs. He's had a victory, he's exempt now. You know, for he's got his card locked up for a couple of seasons. For Eric, it's all sunshine and lollipops. And he's obviously playing well. And, you know, every time I watched him play today on this golf course, there was millions of dollars put into the thing on a landfill, all of the scenics of New York City, unreal. This is a guy who grew up playing on sand and oil greens in South Africa. And and I'm looking at this going, my goodness gracious. Yeah. What a dream come true for a young man from South Africa playing little public golf courses, certainly didn't have the grass you have yet the northern trust open for arguments that for 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 Pete's sake and all of a sudden he thrusts himself into contention and the way he's swinging it looks just really sharp you know he's striking the ball well and he's putting beautifully so yeah he could be the spoiler and he's proved to himself he can win granted it wasn't in a high octane field like this but the truth is you shoot one less than the other guy and you're going to win
0: That's right. The high octane field continues with Justin Thomas, who shot a 67 on Saturday. And it was a little bit of a slow start for JT, one under out in 35 before he started to turn it on on the back nine. But he made that critical mistake mark on 14. That's the par three. If you go long there, you are in the penalty area. He ends up making a double bogey. Of course, I don't have to be a mathematician to tell you that those two shots would put him atop the leaderboard, if he could get those back right now. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah. You know what? I'm pulling for for JT just because I want to prove that I can make a correct call once in a while. And with our friends with HQ the other day, they asked who my winner was, and I picked him pre-tournament for various reasons. And and I'm glad to see he's contending. But to that 14th hole, the last time we we were there, I was on the ground, and the way the wind blows there over the Hudson River – It sort of swirls about the place, and it's a strange sort of a hole because it's just a wedge for these guys, down breeze a little bit. And then you've got the water on the right, the water in behind on this bank of trees, and all the way down the left, there's a big buildup of spectator stands, like two stories high. And I remember the call I made there was like, they can't feel the wind on the tee because back there on the tee, it's like an alcove sheltered by the stands and the trees behind you. And you get that thing up to a certain height, and it's like the jet stream up there. And you saw JT do it. You saw Finau do it. Yeah. Ram got lucky not to do it. And so it just shows what a great hole it is and how it's changed with the buildup of the stance to the left-hand side. So perhaps a little unfortunate teeing off there first because I guarantee you if someone had hit that before him, he wouldn't have made the same mistake. But this is something to look out for. Um, when we finally get into the final round Monday.
0: You mentioned Tony Finau also went long there on 14. He certainly did. He made bogey, and Tony Finau is in position near the top of the leaderboard again on the weekend mark, and it's, you know, we I try not to root for specific guy. I mean, I definitely do, but like I, I think if Tony Finau, whenever that next victory comes, I want it to be at, a, at an event like this. I want all of the biggest players in the world to be there. I want John Rahm at the top. I want Justin Thomas at the top, and I want Tony Finau to prevail so that he can just silence whatever you know whatever negativity anybody wants to throw at him for not winning enough i want him to win a big one
1: yeah me too um he's such a good guy um he's also playing with a he's sort of free swinging it right now with the birth of his little one here a few weeks ago and i caught up with him i was on the golf course and he's now writing the initials of his littlest on his golf ball and the first time he did that he shot 65 in memphis so he's like, well, this is going to keep on going. You know, it's not the superstition. But so I noticed a close-up of his golf ball today and he was still doing it. So there seems to be that, like, I've got life in perspective thing going on. And, you, you know, it's, it's, it's all bonus for me. I'd love to win again, but I'm okay. All I want for Tony is, yeah, you got to make more putts. But I want to see putts on Monday, if they miss, to be rolling at the top side of the hole every single time i'm seeing too many putts that are missed on the low edge and never have a chance of falling uphill and i feel like if he starts to hit putts that are at the hole with some speed a little bit not necessarily speed but just on the high edge one or two of them will topple in and the truth is if you look back you're the guy with the database what one stroke, just a one stroke differential per final round would mean for Tony Finau, he'd probably have a bunch more wins. So I just would love him to give the hole a chance because if he does, the way he's striking it right now, you can't count him out.
0: Mm. Well, we are not going to play golf on Sunday. We are going to try again on Monday. I want to talk more about that. And I also want to look at the odds from our friends over at Caesars Sportsbook. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Caesars has, of course, as they have through the entirety of this event, Mark listed John Rom as the favorite to win. He is plus one thirty-eight. So they're saying a little bit less than half the time John Rom will win this event. With Cam Smith listed at plus three hundred three to one, and then the Chase Pack: Justin Thomas eight to one, Tony Finau and Evr twelve to one. If you want to go back as far as Victor Hovland sixteen to one. I was actually. A bit surprised to see plus money on John Rom, Mark, just because I know these books don't want to get burned on a John Rahm victory. Uh plus 138, I actually thought was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, I I thought so too, but the truth is he's the best player in the world. Yeah. The truth of it is he's playing great. Um he he picked he's picked up one or two bonus birdies. Um and that could sort of wash the double bogey that he made on the power five. And the truth of that double bogey is the way the ball, the second shot turned on the wind with the angle that that par five, 13 sits in relation to 14. They kind of like a T junction like this. So the downwind that caught him and Tony Finau and Justin Thomas on 14 was what whipped him there on 13. And if that ball starts 20 feet farther to the right, it lands short on land. And it looked to me like he was trying to sort of cut one up against the breeze and the breeze just killed it. So you know, but for 15 feet, that ball's on the front edge of the green. And he's probably making four, and this is a different story entirely. So, I don't think he hit the shot that badly. I just think it was maybe a mishit that was killed by the wind that folks were sort of missing. So, uh, to me, he's 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 weathered weathered the storm. You know, he is he is the quality of the field right now, and he has no real weakness. That's the key to it. And so, the way he's playing right now, as confident as what he is, he should be the the, the 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 resounding favorite in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I just think how how high he hits it on soft soft greens when you can just hit it to the number. Uh, he he's unbelievable. He's he's incredibly good.
1: Well, build on that too. I just want to say real fast that you know he typically goes to a little left to right pattern when he's forced off the tee, and if he misses, he pulls that, and when he pulls it, they tend to go too far. So not only does he miss the target, but he misses on distance control. And I have not seen him pull a fade yet this week. And I've watched a lot of golf because I've been a little bedridden. And, and and so if he's got that fade on command, man, he can just aim the thing down the left center, swing away, and he's got no real worries.
0: No real worries. That is a great place to be on a golf course, but he's going to have to wait, Mark. He's going to have to wait. We've got a tropical storm making its way into the area and the PGA tour has already said no golf on Sunday, an extra day of rest. We are going to try again on Monday. So CBS is going to show the 2019 Northern trust final round tomorrow. We still don't know how this is all going to shake out, but mark the idea that now these golfers are going to have to have an extra day we know they are creatures of habit we know we are looking ahead to another playoff event next week like what's the mindset for these guys with an extra day in new york city
1: well they're going to get to do the stuff they probably wouldn't have done and that's maybe go sightseeing a little bit in new york city if the weather is doable um so you know this is what they do they've got names on their golf bags and so they're professional so uh, the key to being a pro golfer is being, being able to you know deal with the rough and the smooth, to be adaptable, and uh, this is what happens in an outdoor sport. And so they'll be okay with it. I think it sort of lends a little bit of an advantage, really, in my opinion, to folks down the field a little bit, because now the golf course is obviously going to be softer on Monday, and there's more weather forecast rain that is, for Monday, and so someone out there early. You know, if they get busy, we've seen some low score shot. If they get busy, they can post because the key to playing in the rain is, you know, the golf courses are soft, but everyone listening to this probably has played in the rain and your hands are slippery and it's uncomfortable. And if you've got a crappy attitude that can proliferate really fast if things aren't going your way. So I think this sets up for a bit of a fast finish, really, where someone down the field, there might get out there and shoot something low in post. But really, as far as taking today, tomorrow off, it's what it is. Uh, they'll deal with it. It's a day of rest to be truthful. And there's golf to play on Monday. They would have been probably traveling and playing golf in uh, Maryland. They're just doing it in New York City for another day.
0: Yeah, that's true. The PGA Tour needs about seven hours to get the final round in. That's with split tees and going out in in, in three balls. I'm no meteorologist, Mark. Uh, Monday doesn't look, look all good. that great either. <laughs> um, well, I mean, how how long could we, we can't go to Tuesday, right? There there is, there is a little bit of precedent on the PGA Tour, a little bit. It's rare to cut this down to 54 holes. We don't even know. The other thing is we don't even have the field set for next week yet because the top 70 are going to move on. So how long can this go on for?
1: Well, here's the conundrum. And they're they're way much brighter heads than me that are making these decisions. Uh, Gary Young, uh, welcome to the fire, my friend. He's the head rules <laughs> official taking over from Slugger and uh, Slugger White. You know after Slugger's, you know Hall of Fame rules career. So Gary and his staff are going to make this decision. And typically, fifty four all events constitute an official event, and it's official money and the results stand. 36 or less, you get the money, but it's not an official event. Um, but you're right. You've got 70 guys that you're going to whittle this field down to, and there's going to be a whole bunch of irate folks that might be one out right now yes. if the thing gets chopped at 54 holes. Um, there's a whole bunch of FedEx Cup points, too, and they can't go divvying that stuff up by two and declare co-champions. I'm sure they could find time to get a playoff figured out. So it's going to be a hard decision, but, you know, these are some pretty cool heads there, and I'm hopeful for their sake that things work out. And I'm, I'm, I'm thoughtful of my colleagues at CBS because everyone was looking forward to the end of the season. But now this has been <laughs> delayed one more day, so they get to enjoy New York, too.
0: Just extend it a little bit further. Obviously, with a hurricane slash tropical storm, uh, things can change. So we will obviously do our best to uh, keep everyone updated as this event hopefully gets finished up on Monday. Uh, We'll be back whenever that final round ends. We'll be back to podcast uh, afterwards. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, Mark Immelman, who you can find at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first Cut, and we'll catch you next time.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.